Well, hello, good morning. You're very welcome along to the gardening show here in Mid Australia. Good morning, Parik. A very good morning to you, Viv, and very good morning to our listeners. What a beautiful morning out there this yeah, morning. Fabulous, isn't it? Really good week. We saw some very warm temperatures. Uh, probably the first week that we've seen significant growth in the garden. Um, you know, I, I'm surprised looking in my own garden the last uh, couple of days, the amount of growth on plants. Hydrangeas have come into leaf and um, lots of our, the trees are breaking leaf at the moment. And of course, the weeds are beginning to grow as well and lawns are, are beginning to grow and, and taking on that lovely green appearance. So definitely spring is here. It has been late this year, but perfect conditions and particularly this morning and up to Certainly late afternoon, we're going to have nice dry weather, nice mild temperatures, perfect gardening weather. So my advice really is get out over the next couple of hours. We are going to see some rain tomorrow and some mixed weather during the week. So the type of things I'd be doing at the moment, Viv, would be particularly feeding plants. I mentioned this last week. Um, because we knew this weather was coming. So plants are actively growing. So now is the time to get on the fertilizer. So feed your roses, feed your fruit trees, feed garden plants in general. Plants that have struggled over the winter, particularly evergreen plants, hedges in particular, and many evergreen shrubs are showing a lot of browning and marking on the leaves. So put on some fertilizer now. It'll be washed in later on this afternoon and it'll be there to, to push the growth on. It's also great weather for the sowing of seeds. And again, as we come into mid-April, it's the perfect time, particularly if you want to grow some of your own five a day. So you can get the plants in your local garden centre, so all the plants are available at the moment. But it's a great time to sow seeds, and particularly with the children off. I've picked some seeds that will be very appropriate to do with children over the Easter period. Um, some root crops. So these are very simple seeds that you can just rake a little bit of soil or you put them in a window box or in pots and containers. Sow the seed, cover it over with the soil and wait for two to three weeks and the seeds will start to germinate and grow on. So simple things like radish. This is a lovely variety called French breakfast. It's an easy variety to grow. You simply sow the seed into the soil or into compost. Out of doors, of course, they're perfectly hardy. And radish are great for children because uh, they've got that lovely crunchy flavour. Mm. They're easy to grow. Lovely in a salad. Lovely in a salad, yeah. lovely to eat raw. Um, but also brilliant because you sow the seed now, they're ready within six weeks. Yeah. And you can pick them as quite small baby radish or you can let them mature to that kind of full size. But that French basket is a particularly good variety. Right up to October, that one. Actually. It will indeed. And you can do successive sowing. So start now and a small amount of sowing then right through the summer. Um, a lovely variety of beetroot. This is one, again, the children will love in particular. It's one called Rainbow Mix. It's a mixture of different coloured beetroots. So you've got the traditional red, but you've got yellow varieties, orange, orange varieties, yeah. yeah, white varieties and so on, all in the one packet. And that comes to us from Sutton's. Again, so little and often, a small amount of seed, just a couple of pinches of seed to get it going and sow that every three to four weeks and you've got beautiful beetroot right through until and late on. Are different ones sweeter or are they all the same? Well, it's that just rainbow color, mix is, is particularly sweet and if you pick beetroot when it's small, yeah. it's very, very sweet. You can literally eat it raw. Um, so it's it, And that's particularly colourful. So again, lovely in salads, lovely to cook as well, yeah. um, lovely to eat raw, but a really easy variety. There's, again, in the rainbow mix, Sutton's have a lovely range of carrots in all different colours. So the traditional carrot we associate with orange, yeah. but the original carrot was actually a dark purple colour. And you can see it there yeah, in the packet. Yeah, so you get these lovely purple shades, white shades, light yellow, and then the orange shade. So several different colours in that rainbow mix from Sutton's. Again, sow the seeds of carrots. Now, carrots in general, this is the time of year to sow them out of doors. Yeah. They can be a bit finickety in terms of getting them to germinate. So here's my tip. 
when you're sowing carrots out of doors, simply make a little drill, fill it with potting compost rather than oh. sowing the seed directly into soil. Yeah. So a little bit of potting compost to line the drill, sow your seeds of carrots, sow them thinly, as thinly as possible, and cover them over. And they'll germinate within about a two to three week period, particularly with the temperatures at the moment. It's absolutely perfect weather, weather for sowing carrots. They come in a whole range of different varieties. That particular one rainbow mix is just a beautiful range of different colours, mm. something unusual. But you've got all the traditional varieties as well. There's one called Rondo, which produces golf ball sized carrots. Again, the kids love those. So they're perfectly circular in like a golf ball, beautiful orange colour, very easy to grow. And they're available right, they, they harvest right up to September. Yeah, and you can sow the seeds little and often is really yeah. the, the message I'm, I'm making. If if people are plagued with the carrot root fly, which can be a problem later on in June, July and August, there is a, one, a variety called Mastro. It's an F1 variety. Generally where you see the, the F1, that denotes a particularly high quality seed. So they tend to be resistant in something or other. So this is a variety called Mastro. It's probably the best fly resistant variety. So again, for listeners that want to grow their carrots organically and safely without the carrot root fly, try that one Mastro. It's an F1 variety. Again, little and often. And again, it's one that you can grow in tubs and containers if you're restricted with space and raised beds if you yeah. want. Harvest carrots young because they're so sweet. Um, and generally speaking, carrots are better sown directly into the garden soil rather than starting them off in trays and then yeah. transplanting them yeah. because you get forking. So sow and them directly. Right up to December. You that, can harvest that one. You yeah. can indeed, yeah. And again, the, the trick viv is, is to start now, but every three to four weeks continue to sow. Carrots do very well. You can leave them late into the season in the ground and harvest them directly from the ground right up to Christmas with no problem at all. So there's lots of vegetables to grow. If you want a really good carrot or a cabbage variety, there's one called Wheeler's Imperial. It produces lovely uh, cone-shaped uh, cabbage. Very nice variety, very compact, very good flavour and also perfect for listeners that have tunnels and greenhouses because it's a very compact variety, Wheeler's Imperial. Now all of the, the seed I mentioned there are suitable for both sowing in tunnels and greenhouses if you've got the space or directly out into the garden soil. So that's a particularly good variety. And I brought you in some some um, flower seeds. So not only is it time to sow our vegetables and, and our salad crops from seed and from plants, and remember if you get some of each, you extend the, the cropping season. But I brought, so brought you in some night scented stock. Because night scented stock is probably one of the easiest flowering plants to grow. It's got beautiful scent at night time. So night scented so stock, it excretes its scent, particularly as the temperatures get cooler. So all you do is again, prepare an area, again, maybe close to a window, patio that you're going to be sitting out, maybe barbecuing later on in the summer. You sow the seeds in pots, containers or out in the garden soil. Simply chuck it onto the ground, rake it in, and night scented stock germinates within two to three weeks. It'll come into flower about the middle of June and flower right through till the end of September. That's but, right, yeah. But it gives a beautiful scent. And a they're really beautiful looking scent. plants, aren't they? Yeah, it comes in shades of pink and white. Um, this particular one is a variety called Starlight Sensation. There are different varieties of night scented stock. Uh, but for that little bit of scent, and again, something interesting for the children to do maybe over the Christmas or over the uh, Easter period. And again, there are lots of flowers that can be sowed directly into the garden soil, like English marigolds, Love in the Mist, which is a lovely plant called Nigelia. You've got plants like cornflower, candy tuft. So again, 
you can literally just sow the seed out of doors at this time of year. So the temperatures are perfect at the moment yeah. for the planting of the plants out of doors, planting of veg, salad crops and so on. Planting herbs in particular, I brought you in some marjoram, which is a beautiful, easy to grow herb. It's one that's planted um, in the Botanic Gardens, but also in the OPW under apple trees because the marjoram and oregano help to bring the bees into the scent of the bees into the garden. Uh, they're attracted by the marjoram and, or, and the oregano. And uh, obviously with the bees are in, you're going to get a heavier crop of apples as well. So a really easy herb to grow. You can grow it again in pots, containers. You can plant it out into the garden soil. The more you trim it, the more it regrows. And like I mentioned uh, before we came on air, the marjoram is suitable for all Italian dishes. So pastas, any meat dishes, lasagnas, uh, it can be used with egg dishes as well for scrambled egg. You can simply just chop it up and put it in. It's a really versatile And looks herb. lovely with it's the flowers. It's beautiful yeah. when it's in flowers. It's got these lovely pink flowers. Yeah. Very attractive. It flowers very much like thyme and such an easy herb to grow. So that's yeah. marjoram. It would is a perennial. Would you go threes and fives with that herb, would you? It's not really necessary. I mean, one plant would nearly give you as much as any household would need. The trick with herbs is really you're eating the foliage. So the more you trim them, the, the more you encourage a bushy shape, young growth, and in the young growth, you've got the stronger essential oils. Yeah. So always crop your herbs in a very so regular like just basis. Just a case of just going in here and just snipping Getting there. the scissors, cutting the stems back. The stem back yeah, yeah, within three weeks, it has regrown again and you continually cut. Yeah. And the, the marjoram herb, as most herbs, will hold in the fridge for several weeks fresh and can as well. you freeze it? I suppose you, you can freeze it if you want. If you're yeah. not going to use it straight away, freeze it in ice cubes and it holds really well particularly for winter use. All the popular herbs like chive, sage, thyme, all the parsley varieties, there's a couple of different varieties of parsley, bay leaf, rosemary, oregano, they're all available now in your local garden centre as plants, even just to do a simple window box yeah. of herbs and maybe put in some edible flowers like violas or some edible pansies in with them just for a bit of colour. Yeah. Um, and it's lovely to be able to nip out, take whatever you need, and particularly for cooking over Easter. Yeah. Yeah, so a really good time. And the basil, I always learned this. You learned this off of this year. The basil stays indoors. The basil has to stay indoors. Yeah. And my, my advice really is to sow basil on a regular basis. So small, sow a pinch of seed every six weeks. Grow it in a coffee cup on your windowsill. Keep it for six or seven weeks. You keep using it and then get rid of the original plant and sow fresh seed again. So you have basil coming on all the time. They come in a whole range of different varieties. You've got yeah. the sweet basil that we, we see in the shops, but there's also Thai basil. You've got um, loads of different varieties of basil that you can sow from seed at this time of year. And a lot, a so lot of easy. people were... Do you remember you came up with that great suggestion last week about the coffee, you know, the, the paper coffee cup? Yeah. A lot of people said to me, why didn't I think of that? It's a brilliant one. It? Oh, it's very good. And it's a really easy way to propagate any seed, particularly if you get the, the cup with the translucent lid or the white lid, simply fill it with compost. So whatever seed you want, it can be flower seed, veg seed, salad seed, you'll fit 50 seed in the cup, yeah. put on the see, put on the lid and leave it until everything germinates. Or for the likes of basil, you can actually grow the basil plant in the coffee cup with just a small pinch of seed and sit it on your windowsill. Um, it is the time of year as well, Easter, for hanging baskets. So I brought you in a trailing petunia. Oh, lovely. So there's a whole range of basket plants available at the moment. Um, so everything from the trailing petunias to the lovely white pacopa to lobelias and so on. So this is the time to start planting up your window boxes. So a couple of tips and, and hanging baskets. For hanging baskets, size matters. So make sure you go for at least a 14 to 16 inch basket. Um, anything smaller really dries out too quickly, Viv. And, you know, if you've got a large basket, you're going to fill 
fill it with a good layer of compost and you're going to get more plants into it effectively. Yeah. Now, I did mention about pinching back. So when you get the plants, ask in your local garden centre just to show how to pinch the plants back. So show if, me there now. Just if you pinch the plant back, it's going to increase the amount of side stems the plant will produce yeah. and hence twice or three times or four times the amount of flowers. So all you simply do, it's finger and thumb and yeah. you literally remove... Ah, uh, stuff. Is that easy? That's as easy as that. So all you're removing is the top of the plant. So you what can, would have that have turned into? That? Well, if we didn't pinch it back, yeah. you'd, you'd end up with two or three leggy stems uh, rather than a yeah. plant with five or six or seven yeah. stems and hence f three to four times the amount of colour. So always pinch back. You can get a scissors and literally just slightly trim them back yeah. um, so that's very important for hanging basket plants but this is the time of year the fuchsias are available and you available. put as many plants as you can into the thing because yeah, it's, it's competitive in there exactly if you pack the plants in, in you, that little bit of competition between the plants encourages a lot more flowering in them go for a mixture you need something taller in the centre like a fuchsia or trailing or a begonia trailing begonia would be ideal or a geranium and then surrounding that with trailing plants with the lowest plants right at the very edge and like I mentioned last week Get yourself a packet of the nasturtium, the trailing nasturtium from seed. Again, Sutton's do a very good range of different varieties. Make sure that the dwarf varieties like Alaska, um, Tutti Frutti or Little Gem, they're all three excellent varieties. And all you do once you've the basket planted is simply push the seed in around the edge and they germinate and give you fantastic extra colour. Not putting you on the spot, but what were those radish and beetroot seeds you referred to? You okay, so there's two, two varieties I'd recommend. Um, in the beetroot family, it's rainbow mix. So yeah. it's just a mixture of, you'll get them in your local garden centre under the Sutton's brand. There's about uh, 250 seed in a packet, wow. believe it or not. So very easy to and sow. And each one of them will produce Absolutely. one Absolutely. So little and often, little and often, that's the way to sow them. Again, you can sow them in a, in a window box, in a patio planter, yeah. out in the garden soil, whatever. But they're absolutely fabulous and lovely colours. I mean, if the children yeah. ever even ate them, they look really, really well. What's they called again? It's called Rainbow Mix. Rainbow Mix, like. listener. Yeah, and then the the radish. Now, there's a whole range of different radish varieties, but this particular one is, is particularly nice. It's called French Basket, um, and it's... Um, it's a really nice variety. So look for those in your local French garden centre. But look, at it's all the seed. You won't go wrong with sowing any of the seed. My, my message really is that the temperature is absolutely perfect at the moment for sowing seeds directly out the door and for planting plants, yeah. salad plants as well. So get gardening over the weekend. Okay, then I know we've lots more to talk about, but let's uh, it's just coming up to 20 after nine. So keep the calls coming into us, by the way. 087 941 41. With thanks to Nature Safe by Hygieia, kind to nature and great for your garden. And as always, if you'd like to ring Teresa, it is 0818 You can email us to garden at midwestradio.ie. You're very welcome back to us here on The Gardening Show. Uh, lots of things to do this week, Porrick. Absolutely. So again, another key job would be getting on top of, of weeds in the garden in particular. So again, with the, the fine week we've had the last 10 days, a lot of weeds germinating. So my advice is get rid of those at the moment. The best and easiest and safest way to do it is with a garden hoe. So something like the wolf garden hoe is ideal. It's simple to use and um, particularly with the weather this morning now, it's ideal for, for getting rid of weeds in general. Is that what that is? That's what that is. That's the, the garden hoe. That's the wolf garden hoe. It's a stainless steel hoe. It works really, really well. I can highly advise can it I have and recommend it. It just slips. It slips into a handle, ah, a long handle, yeah. and you simply just push them. It's called a push and pull hoe so because you as like you that. push and pull, it literally yeah. gets rid of the weeds. Yeah. yeah, it's really, really effective. Very strong, isn't it? Very, yeah. very strong. Yeah. 
Thanks for bringing that one in. Okay, and uh, what else can we do? So again, roses, uh, I did mention that the pruning back of roses, so it's important that if listeners haven't pruned the roses, do that please this weekend. Feed roses in general. And for roses that have been pruned early, they're coming into growth at the moment. So put on the Rose Rescue or Rose Clear just to keep the bugs off them. So start early um, and prevent any any disease problems and any press problems. But the feeding is critically important at this time of year. And you'll see the trees are beginning to flower at the moment, the lovely flowering cherries. So again, it's a good time of year if you want to put a cherry tree, maybe a flowering crab, to plant a tree in the garden. It's perfect weather for planting at the moment. And it's great for sort of remembering, remembering it's somebody. To mark an occasion, something like that, it's, a, it's lovely to plant a tree. But you'll see lots of the cherries have responded to the really good weather and they're coming yeah. into flowers. So it's a lovely time of year to plant trees in general. Okay then, uh, could you recommend some flowers suitable for a seaside garden uh, that would give great colour and uh, would come every year okay. and also give colour throughout the year? Yeah, well, there's a collection of plants that are associated with seaside. So first thing that springs to mind is hydrangeas. So hydrangeas flower for such a long period, from the middle of June right through until late October. They come in a whole range of different varieties. They tolerate the seaside conditions, the salt and the wind. You've got basically the mophead hydrangeas, which come in the pink and blue. But you've also got the lovely paniculata family, varieties like phantom vanilla freeze, Annabelle. And they flower on new growth, a little bit like a rose, but produce what I describe as ice cream shaped flowers. They're like the shape of a 99 and they're absolutely beautiful. So they would give a long-term colour. Many of the herbaceous perennials, so I'm thinking of things like lupins do really well in seaside areas, asters, sedums. So look for those in your local garden centre. These are the perennial cottage garden plants that come back year after year. Rudbeckia, for example, is a lovely one. I mix the rudbeckias with the hydrangeas in my own garden because they give, rudbeckias have got beautiful bright yellow flowers with a black centre against the white of the hydrangea looks really well and again Rubecchia start to flower in June and they go right through until nearly October they're very late flowering Crocrosmias you'll get those as bulbs or as plants at the moment a lovely variety called Lucifer which is brilliant red colour and again it's a lovely plant so for seaside gardens focus on seaside plants and um, fuchsias do really well the hydrangeas that I mentioned already Hebe's do do very well, pop into your local garden centre, they'll advise you and mix into that some of those cottage garden plants just as a complementary additional colour. I have a family wedding this July. What garden plants flower in July and what flowers can I plant now to use as cut flowers for the wedding? Well, July is actually a, is an easy time, really, because um, you're, you're right there in the middle of the summer. So in terms of bulbs, I would be planting dahlias in particular they are absolutely fantastic even if you just leave them to flower and add lots of colour in the garden but they also make a great cut flower as well and will be in full flower for July. Roses will give stunning colour in July. They're probably at their best in July and this is a really good time of year for planting roses in the garden. So varieties like Trumpeter or Arthur Bell or some of the old English roses which are denoted for their beautiful scent. If, if planted now they will be in flower for July. The Rubecchia that I mentioned already would still be in flower. Agapanthus which has got beautiful uh, blue or white flowers um, again give stunning colour right through the month of July. So Jul July is actually an easy time and many of the herbaceous perennials like delphiniums and uh, lupins will still be in flower right through. So there's, there's lots of really good colour but the key thing is to start planting them now. Okay, lovely. And Begonias, all of those. Okay, lovely. I prepared an area of my vegetable garden to grow wildflowers for the bees and pollinators this summer. What do I do next? The soil is raked 
Great. And what seed do I sow and when uh, do I need to feed them? Well, the, the, the timing is perfect for wildflowers so, um, and for sowing seed in general. So, and, and wildflower seed in your local garden centre comes in different varieties. So basically it's a blend of different seeds mixed together. So, for example, you can get packets specifically for shaded areas. You can get a, f- a fragrant range of wildflowers. You can get wildflowers for bees, for birds, for butterflies. So there's a whole range of different options. So depending on really what the listener um, ultimately wants, if they want the traditional wildflower meadow look, there's a, a range of seed available for that as well. So all you simply do, and the listeners have done already, is you rake the soil. My advice is to get some garden lime. You get that in your local garden centre. Put down some garden lime because that tends to lock up the nutrition in the soil because wildflowers like to grow in impoverished soil. So a handful of lime over the area and then sow the, sow the wildflowers, rake them in and leave them alone. Now, what you can do when you're mixing the wildflowers into the area is to put in some of the summer flowering bulbs as well. So some of the Mount Brescia that I mentioned, the Crocrosme, would be lovely as a bulb. You'll get them again in your local garden centre, pop those in and they'll add some additional colour during the summer. But it's a great time of year for sowing wildflower seed. Did you ever hear of a Japanese moss lawn? Japanese moss lawn. Yeah. Well, you've got you've got different types of, of, of plants that are often used to create a lawn. For example, chamomile. Chamomile is often used instead of using grass. Yeah. Or people would often use mosses to create yeah. that green effect. But she want, This listener wants her, Olivia wants to do it. She says, it's not a joke, she said. She says, it's not a joke. Yeah. But she wants to know what's the best way to get rid of the grass if she wants to get rid of the grass and then do her moss. Okay, lawn. so the, the best way to, to kind of eliminate any grasses or weeds at the moment, and particularly say if you're doing a wildflower area or you're creating a, a Japanese moss lawn, is to use the weed-free treatment. So weed-free will control any weeds that are there any grasses or weeds before sowing the seed and it doesn't contaminate the soil so if if, um, Olivia applies the weed free over that area now particularly on a dry day it'll eliminate any grass and within a week she can till over the soil and start her new lawn just going back to sea areas is lavateria Uh, lavateria is a great plant there is one that would actually be brilliant in seaside areas but also be lovely for that question that came in about the um the wedding in July. Yes. So lavateria or the mallow is a plant that starts flowering at the end of June right. and it goes right through again until late September, October, often into November. Comes in a whole range of different forms. Brendan Springs is a lovely deep pink variety. Barnsley is a, a whitish colour. So they come in a whole range of different colours again and a super plant. Okay, the, we're getting a lot of coastal area ones today. This is one about uh, Fotinia Red Robin. Red Robin, yeah. Is that Fortinia? Yeah, oh, it looks. To, it have, looks. <laughs> you have the picture there now. Yeah, it looks dead. To be honest, yeah. uh, it looks. So we're looking at the picture on WhatsApp. The leaves have gone completely brown. It looks like it's planted in a bucket or a pot or container, yeah. doesn't it? Um, so look at it. It seems to be very badly damaged. If it's in an exposed area, it may is, have just been damaged through yeah, the winter. They're asking, is it the salt air? The salt air will definitely affect Fortinia red robin. It's not really a plant that will tolerate lots of wind. So I would um, now, you know, take off the dead leaves. See, will it kick back into growth? The fact that it's in a pot, you might be able to put in a sheltered area. But many of the plants I mentioned earlier would be an awful lot better uh, to use. Do you see that picture there of the winter beauty clematis? Oh, lovely plant, yeah. 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 Uh, it, it looks dead, says the listener. You have a look at it. There. It does. It's it's not holding any leaf now. So this is Clematis Winter Beauty. It's a, it's absolutely a stunning uh, winter flowering 
clematis. It starts to flower just before Christmas and flowers generally up to the end of February with these beautiful white nodding flowers and the foliage is evergreen. So the fact that the plant has dropped its leaf, there's something definitely wrong with it. My advice really is give it a little bit of fertiliser, see will it kick back into growth in the next two to three weeks, which it should. If it doesn't, the plant has failed and maybe pop back to your local garden centre and I'd say they'd replace it for you because winter beauty, the, the main problem with it, it grows so fast. Yeah. It grows, it needs to be trimmed back hard after flowering. Yeah. Um, so that plant really should be thriving at this time of year. Uh, listeners looking for recommendations for some good apple varieties to grow uh, in pots on the patio. Okay, yeah. Uh, something easy as I'm new to gardening. What type of soil do I need and where will I, when will I have the eating apples well, if, if you, I plant them now? If you're going to grow them on the patio, you're going to need to grow them in, in pots um, unless you've got some soil there. So get yourself a good sized pot get a good quality compost, something like a John Ennis compost. It's a soil-based compost, which is really good. And go for the range of coronet apple trees. So coronets are dwarf apple trees that will only grow to about six feet, five to six feet in height. Get If, if space is restricted, maybe go for the family variety, which has got two different varieties of apple grafted onto the one tree. So you've got one tree that produces two different varieties of apples and underplant them with strawberries. So in the pot, you've got two different types of apples and strawberries underneath. Now, there are varieties like James Grieve, Katie, Cox's Orange Pippin. They're all super golden delicious. They're all available at the moment. But check out the, make sure the trees are dwarf, that they're a, a, yeah. a miniature variety. Otherwise, they'll just get too big for the pots. But in general, Viv, it's a really good time of year for planting fruit in general. So if people want to grow their own raspberries or blueberries or strawberries at this time of year, Weather conditions and soil conditions are absolutely perfect for planting. So if you if you ever wanted to plant a few fruit trees, this is the month to get them into the ground. Even just traditional apple trees, rather than the dwarf ones, if you've got the space to grow some ordinary apple trees or pear trees or fruiting cherries, a super time and the weather conditions couldn't be better. And that dwarf variety of apple coronet. It's a coronet. coronet. It's got, they're actually bred here in Ireland oh. um, and they're, they're particularly renowned for their flavour. So they've got really good flavour. But go for the family tree because the two trees will pollinate one another. So you literally only need the one tree. Yeah. Uh, good few questions uh, here uh, about the, the, my trees are going brown on the west side this spring. Palm trees are very badly affected. I have yeah. another one here. Um, and my laurel hedge is all brown at the yeah. west facing side. Um, <clears throat> Tony, we touched on Tony, this. Tony is wondering what can we do about Yeah, this? look, we touched on this. For, I was warning people of this, I suppose, for the last couple of weeks. And I know. We are seeing a lot of browning simply because it's been a, a winter of high winds. We had three storms, if, if people remember back. Yeah. And plants are very slow to show foliage damage. So the storm damage and the, the, the damaging of the foliage, the scorching of the foliage due to the wind happened back in February and early March, but we're only seeing the signs of it really now. So look, it's a temporary setback. All you need to do is to feed your your plants at the moment, put on the Osmo Pro 6 now, repeat in about four weeks' time. The plants will kick back into growth again and be perfectly fine. So it's literally only a, a slight setback. If you've got plants like Hebes or Pittosporums with a little bit of foliage damage, just give them a light trimming back and feed them and they'll be perfectly fine. This is an interesting one, I think. Uh, have a look at that picture yeah, there. So, Porik, my wife has grown this holly tree from a twig. Isn't that amazing? Brilliant. She wants me to plant it in the garden. Where would be the best place to plant it, first of all? 
I want to plant it near a wall that'll get sun from mid-afternoon. Yeah. Would that be suitable? Cliff in Swinford. Brilliant. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> Cliff has done a great job. Uh, was his wife, the wife, the wife planted? Yeah. yeah. So the, the holly, it looks like it's about three or four feet high. It's probably yeah. two feet in, in diameter. Now, hollies are relatively slow growing, but they can grow anything up to 20 feet in height. So be careful where you plant it, obviously. You, it, they do respond to pruning and, and hollies make absolutely beautiful hedges, a very solid hedge. Um, so my advice really, first of all, this weekend would be ideal, Cliff, for, for transplanting it. Um, soil conditions are perfect at the moment. So dig a good size hole, put in some compost into the planting hole, make sure the holly is planted at the original depth, um, obviously take off the pot. And against a wall is fine, it's perfectly fine. You can actually train it out on the wall if you wish, or do remember that it'll make a freestanding shrub as well, an evergreen shrub. And hollies tolerate the wind quite well as well. So it's sort of plant this, you can nudge into an exposed area as well but this weekend would be a perfect time to plant it maybe give it a light trimming back because there's some branches that are, are a little bit wayward so give it a trim back maybe take six inches off, off all the stems and then get it back into the garden soil give it a good drink of water if uh, well tomorrow's promise lots of rain so it, but if we do get into dry weather later on in the summer give it a good drink of water now this is Phil is on right yeah. have a, come over and have a look at this first of all look at his garden isn't his Beautiful. Garden? yeah look at that well, what type of that's what is that? Go the, the hedge there. Oh, the hedge. It looks like a conifer, probably yes, a lilandia yeah. hedge. That's a malice that's coming into flower. Yeah. yeah. He says, "I want to move this tree. Oh. Will I have to wait till it stops flowering? It's a crab apple. apple like, yeah. yeah. Is it a crab apple? Yeah. It's a that. malice. Is that, is so this is the crab apple family, um, and they produce their they produce their flowers at this time of year. Yeah. So it's in flower bud at the moment, and it, when it comes into flower, you get beautiful light pink flowers that yeah. the bees absolutely love, and it produces a berry, an edible fruit." in the autumn and crab apples are often used particularly for listeners that are growing apple trees yeah. if you plant a crab apple they flower at the same time as the traditional apples and they cross pollinate them yeah. um, I wouldn't touch it at no. this time of year you're going, going to, to say the same you, thing, absolutely yeah. you're going to disturb the plant leave it until certainly late October early November wait for the tree to go out of leaf completely give it a trim back dig it up and it will transplant without any problem but leave it at the moment you're just going to you're going yeah. to damage it. And, it. and it's actually a very good specimen. It's a beauty, isn't yeah. it? And the lawn's in great nick there. See the lawn? lawn's in really good nick yeah. as well. And look, this is, this is the time of year in general, Viv, for listeners to get out. Get the lawns trimmed, but also get on the lawn feeds as well. Lawns are, are showing a lot of yellowing at the moment. I planted a Christmas tree from a garden centre, but the wind damaged it uh, badly and it's half brown. Will it recover like the hedging plants, Sue? Um, it, most conifers do, dislike now I'm seeing a lot of browning on uh, conifers in general Elandii, Lawson Cypress um, just conifers in general anything that has been evergreen have been licked with the with the, with the scorching yeah. um, look at give it maybe a light trimming back feed it and if the damage isn't too severe then it'll regenerate again yeah. it'll kick back into growth again so if it's just kind of that kind of a surface scorching which yeah. most of it is then the plant should be perfectly fine and the fact that it's a young tree as well that stands in its favour yeah. so Sue you have a bit of a challenge there give it a feed yeah, that's what I would do give it a feed light trim back use the Osmo Pro 6 would be yeah. perfect um, yeah. now and, and repeat in four to five weeks time and just give a light trimming as well alright listen I'm going to go for a quick break and then we'll have our final segment of the programme when we come back
Well, thank you very much for all your questions. We are inundated with it, but we're going to go hell for leather for the last part of the programme and we're going to do our very, very best to get as many done for you. Uh, now, when is the best time to sow lilies? It, this is a perfect time. So lilies come into flower again July, August, so plant them now. They're, they're available in bulbs in your local garden centre. Put a little bit of a sand into the base of the planting hole. You can plant them out of doors and um, put them in clusters of maybe threes or fives. But a great time to plant lilies. Now, here's one for you. You mightn't have the answer, but we I know you'll find the answer if you don't. It's Is there a tool available to use for sowing potatoes? Uh, years ago, there was a cone-shaped steel head on timber handle, which is very good for making a deep hole in the ah, ridge. Great idea, yeah. Well, normally the spade is what's used, but you could use actually um, a bulb planter. So there is a device for planting bulbs, for planting daffodils and bulbs in general that makes a, a perfect hole in the ground and you literally just drop the, the bulb or the potato tuber into it. So if the listener has the drills ready, um, get yourself a little bulb planter. You should get a them in your local... planter. Plant. It has a long handle. Yeah. So you literally just stick it into the ground, lift it up. It takes out a core of soil as you're oh, lifting it. Yeah. You drop in the seed potato and... Put it back on yeah. top. Great question. Um, now, uh, sweet pea... Uh, and pots are dying off when they're inside at night. What's that? Well, it could be the fact that they're just too warm. Um, Sweet peas, sweet peas, or if they're being overwatered as well, you get a thing called dampening off where the seeds just literally keel over. Um, Look, there are sweet pea plants available for planting now. It's still not too late to sow seed, fresh seed, but I would plant those uh, plants out of doors because... Sweet pea is a frost-hardy plant. Even if we get a little bit of cold weather, yeah. it tolerates the frost really well. The trick with growing sweet pea is to put down plenty of organic matter, compost or rotten manure, down to the soil before planting and plant your sweet peas into the soil with the manure underneath and they just scramble up. They're not like peas you eat, no. No, 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 no well, they're no, the same... <laughs> They're in the same family, but sweet peas are, uh, I know probably what you're thinking here is the sugar snap peas, uh, right? Yes. So sweet peas are grown for the flowers. Uh, so people plant them, they flower in July. And if you cut them on a regular basis, they just keep on producing beautiful cut flowers. I mean, here's another plant for the listener that had the wedding in July. Sweet peas would be beautiful. You could make a beautiful bouquet for the bride or you could just use them to dress vases or yeah. whatever. But the garden peas... The, you're thinking of sugar snap or the Monge yeah. two piece. Monge they two. can be sown from seed. The plants are actually available in garden centres as well at the moment for planting directly out of door. And sweet pea, or um, you have me saying it now, the sugar snap or the Monge twos yeah. are brilliant for children to eat because they're so sweet. They mm-hmm. can eat the pods and all. They're absolutely so. There's a great vegetable. And lovely raw as well. Actually, that's what I mean. They, yeah, absolutely. Now, what is the name of the plant that gets rid of flies? So you've got two plants. Uh, you've got one that will actually eat the flies. <laughs> called the Venus flytrap. Oh yeah, very unusual plant. It's a, it's a, it has these modified leaves in the shape of a, a little trap. And as soon as the insect goes into the modified leaf, the leaf closes. It obviously has something there to attract it. Does it, it? Well, it's actually the color. It's got a lovely red coloration that yeah. the, the, the flies find attractive. So that's the Venus flytrap. It's actually a carven, carv, carnivore, <laughs> carnivore, carnivore. Yeah. Carnivorous, it eats, yeah. It, yeah, it eats meat. Um, so there's one. Or the other plant that I find very effective is the. Um, Orange fizz, the lemon-scented geranium, because it's full of citronella. So the smell of the leaf yeah. actually helps to ward off flies. Or you can even crush the leaf and put it into a little mister yeah. and use that as a misting to on on surfaces. Did we have that here last week? We had it uh, about two weeks ago. Yes, the pelargonium. Yeah, so beautiful. it's orange fizz, the lemon lemon-scented geranium, a great little plant. So easy to grow as well. 
Now, I admired a yellow flowering shrub last summer. It seemed to bloom from June to November and attracted butterflies and pollinators. Can you suggest what plant this might be? The flowers were round, waxy and a rich butter butter yellow. Oh, colour. yeah. It sounds like um, Hypericum Heathcote, which is um, St. John's Worth. A beautiful summer flowering shrub, easy to grow. Here's another one for that could grow in seaside areas. So that's Hypericum Heathcote. A good time to plant them. If you plant them now, they'll come into flower around the end of June and flower right through till November, but brilliant for the bees and the butterflies um, and makes it a nice size shrub that's easy to grow. So that's Hypericum Heathcote. Yeah. You get it in your local garden centre. Interesting one here, Pete. Uh, good morning, a question. You're, a lot of people calling you Mr. Horkin this morning. Is that because of the suit and tie? Is it? I wonder. I have a small garden which gets flooded one or two days every winter, okay. but otherwise seems to drain okay. Would it be possible to plant a small apple or pear tree in it? Well, if, if it only floods, if it only, I mean, if the water holds for a day or two and then drains away, yeah. then that would be perfectly fine. You could also plant the apple tree on a slightly raised um, soil base. So put in some extra soil and actually have the, the where you're planting the apple tree, maybe six to 12 inches higher than the surrounding ground. So mound up the soil and plant your apple tree on top. But if it's only holding the water for a day or two and then drains away, that'll be perfectly fine. The apples will tolerate a certain amount of, as long as it's not waterlogged and holding water for you know, several yeah. weeks, then that's going to be a problem. Yeah. But, you know, apples are actually quite and easy to grow. And you actually just raise... Just raise the soil. Idea, yeah. Just Very raise good. the soil, yeah, and plant your apple tree. Now, generally when you're planting apple trees, you need to be planting a minimum of three to get good cross-pollination, unless you're planting the family apple tree that I mentioned earlier, the coronet. Um, so if you're planting the traditional apple trees, make sure you get two to three, three preferably different varieties of apples. Apples that flower at the same time is critically important so that you get the cross-pollination. So varieties like James Grieve and Katie, they work really well together. But again, a good time for planting fruit in general. You, you say cross-pollination, for yes. people who might not know what that is, how does it actually work? Because can <laughs> an apple tree... Can, no, I'm being serious now, because if you just had one apple tree in your garden... Yeah. Well, if you've only one apple tree... You're you're, well, you're relying on maybe neighbouring trees... Or like, for example, this morning when I was driving in, I, I noticed a beautiful wild uh, apple growing in a hedgerow. So it was flowering. So if you're lucky enough to have neighbours with apple trees or you have maybe a malice, a wild malice planted in a hedgerow, that will cross-pollinate. But to be sure... And the bee does it. The bee does yeah, the yeah, cross-pollinate. Yeah, yeah. The honeybee works between uh, the, the, the flowers when they're in bloom. So they're coming, the bud, they're at bud stage at the moment. In two weeks' time, all apple trees will be in full flower. Yeah. And um, but, but generally speaking, when you're planting up an orchard, you need to have at least... Th ideally three different varieties of apple trees. So don't pl plant all the same variety. Make sure you get different varieties. The critical thing is that they're in flower at the same time yeah. so that the bee can move from one plant to the other and cross fertilisation across pollinate the trees. Okay, um, now there's one the I want to ask you. Yeah, this one, that's a good one. There's small guard gets flooded. We've done that one there. Uh, looking for a nice hedge for privacy that won't grow too tall in the ankle area. Well, so for seaside areas, you're really looking that the, the, the key consideration is the salt and the wind. And there's a very good hedge called Silver Edge or Iliagnus abengii. So Silver Edge, the name suggests, it's got silver foliage, very tough. You can keep it to four feet high, five feet high, six feet high, whatever height you want. It'll tolerate the wind. It also tolerates frost really well. Now, you don't generally get frost in Ackle, but um, certainly for windy, salty areas, the Silver Edge is probably the very best. You've got others then like O'Leary's, 
So Illyria hostii can be kept to again four to five feet, that sort of height. But make sure you get a hedge that's going to tolerate the salt. So for me, the Iliagnus abengii or silver edge is, is probably the best. Can you please let me know if you have any advice on setting plum trees? Well, the, the the key advice is is, is to plant one this, this weekend or this coming week. Um, so plums are, are relatively easy to grow. It takes them several re- years to come to settle down to flowering and fruiting. So they tend to do a lot of growing as juvenile trees. So, you know, generally the complaint is uh, that people plant a plum tree and, and it doesn't fruit for six or seven years. That can happen with plum trees. Apart from that, they're dead easy to grow. Um, they're in the same family as the wild damson. Um, so, you know, we've got the perfect climate for glow, growing plum trees. The ones I'd, I'd uh, look for are Zara is a very good variety or Opal are two good. Um, they're actually self-fertile varieties. So the one plum tree in this instant would work really well. But this is the time of year to plant them. We're going to talk about lawns. Is that OK? Yeah. Uh, my lawn is looking a little bit worse for where I cut the lawn during the week. The grass is quite yellow and brown patches. Yeah. Uh, some moss. Very common. Uh, any this help? Year. Very common this year, again, you know, with the very mild winter we had, lots of lawns are showing yellowing. Um, so if you've got moss, the first thing is to get the zero on. Again, perfect day today to get the zero on. That will see the moss off overnight, so it'll literally die overnight. And zero gives the lawn a lovely green colour as well. Uh, the second thing then is to apply a feed. So again, put on a good lawn fertiliser and lawns in general will benefit from a feeding at this time of year. They're designed to feed the lawn slowly so you get this lovely greening effect without too much growth. So get on your lawn feed now. If there's any bare patches, it's good time of year to reseed as well. So mix a bit of potting compost with some lawn seed and literally brush it into the area and it'll knit back together within about three to four weeks' time. So yeah, keep a, keep an eye on the lawns. Okay, right. Now, um Tomato plants, uh, would you suggest that this limited space, tomato plants on a balcony, what would you recommend? Okay, so go for the the shorter varieties and a balcony is an ideal place to grow uh, tomatoes. So you can grow them in hanging baskets, in window boxes, in in tubs and containers. So go for the short varieties that don't need any pinching out or any staking. So the ones that spring to mind are tumbler, if you have a hanging basket or container. On a balcony, Viv, if the listener has a railings you can actually get a special container that sits on the railings called a balcony planter fill that with compost put in your tumbler tomatoes and you've got beautiful fruit right through the summer the other variety i'd recommend is um red profusion which is brilliant in pots and containers you can sit it on your on your patio or in your balcony it'll only grow about 18 inches high about two feet wide it'll give you fruit all summer long so red profusion or tumbler are two of the very best there's another variety called totem which grows upright it only grows 18 inches in height but it grows like a totem pole and again it it fruits really well and again very compact and easy to grow one for a windowsill maybe or again on a balcony it's ideal the other thing to consider if you've got the balcony peppers work really well or chilies and they're available as plants now um, and do really well in pots and containers. Now, be careful at the moment. If the weather is cold, you need to be bringing those in at night time and putting them back out in the balcony during the day. Mayo pink ribbon plant. Yes, I, I'm sorry, I meant to mention that yeah. at the start of the programme. Um, so, mayo pink ribbon is, you know... It's, it's the end it's, of April, isn't it? It's, yeah, yeah, the end of April, that first week of, of um, I think it's the 30th of April this yes. year. Um, it's a Saturday. And uh, Mayo Pink Ribbon, I mean, they're they're raising funds for cancer research and have done an amazing job over the last number of years. But every year I put a plant on sale specifically for this charity. It's available at the moment. It's a lovely pink dianthus. 
and it is just coming into flower at the moment and it'll flower the whole summer long but we sell that plant for Mayo Pink Ribbon it's a fiver and all proceeds every penny goes to the charity so they're available in the Turlock Gar- Garden Centre at the moment and we'll have them for the next couple of weeks so if you are in ask the sa- staff for the Mayo Pink Ribbon plant it's right up at the front area of the yeah. Garden Centre and it's, it's just something is it? it's a dianthus it's a beautiful variety it, it's literally just coming into flower at the moment it's packed with buds and it will flower the whole summer long but more importantly it'll come back next year again and has it like a purple flower do you say it's a, yeah it's kind of a, a, a reddish purpley flower yeah. um, literally tons of flowers come yeah. out on this plant and it's short it only grows about I suppose 6 or 8 inches in height perfect for a rockery or a border or in a pot or container but people are always looking to give something back to Mayo Pink Ribbon and we thought, why not put a plant available? So all the proceeds of that plant will go. Now, time is moving on. So let's just, uh, I want to maybe just do a few minutes with you just to recap on the, the jobs people can be doing uh, over the next week or so to yeah. come back next week. Well, make, make good use of, of the next couple of hours really is what I'm saying because the rain is coming and when rain comes, it's the, it's the ideal time to get the fer- feeds on. So if you put your fertiliser on your lawn, on your roses, on your trees and shrubs, on your vegetable patch, the rain is going to wash that in tonight and tomorrow. So the feeding of plants I prioritise. The sowing of seed, I mentioned a great range of different types of seeds, both flower and vegetable seeds. And again, if you can sow them now, this morning, you'll get that rain to wash them in and, and help them germinate over the next uh, couple of hours, particularly tonight and tomorrow. Um, with the rain, you're going to have some slugs actively moving around. So again, some of the organic treatments should be used, particularly if you've got the likes of hostas coming through the soil or if you put in um, particularly vegetable plants over the last couple of weeks, just keep an eye on the slugs and do use the organic treatment. Sow basil indoors this the time of year. Use my tip for sowing the carrots, use the compost, but carrots and parsnips, beetroot, radish, they're all sown from seed at this time of year. If you haven't pruned your roses, Get them pruned this weekend. It's great weather for planting roses as well if you want colour later on in the summer. There's a whole range of varieties available at the moment for planting. And for listeners that did heed our advice and prune the roses several weeks back, there's lots of fresh growth on them now. So protect those with a bit of the rose um, rescue and feed them as well. Hanging baskets, this is the, the weekend or over the next couple of weeks to plant up your hanging baskets and get them going. Ideally, sit them in a bright sunny area on your patio or have them in a tunnel or greenhouse um, and let them grow on. And for listeners that have planted up their hanging baskets, give them an occasional liquid feed now. That's going to be important. I mentioned uh, herbs for Easter. Yeah. So look, this is the time of year for planting herbs. Sow the basil from seed in the coffee cup if you want, but also plant up some window boxes, hanging baskets, containers with some lovely herbs because there's a whole range of different ones. You know, simple things like chives. And the beauty about herbs is 99% of them come back year after year, apart from the poor old basil. Yeah. It, it is a short life cycle. But all of the rest are perennial. They come, And you don't necessarily have to uh, you know, you can actually tuck them in around other shrubs. So, for example, rosemary and bay and thyme and sage, they make beautiful shrubs in their own, um, you know, with with their own shape and colour. So you can add them into shrub borders and beds. And if you want colour for the next couple of weeks, there's some beautiful colour available at the moment. Things like pansies, violas, osteospernums are just coming into flower at the moment, campanulas. So if you want some instant colour, that's available at the moment. Get gardening. Okay, sounds good. Just very quickly for 10 seconds. Can you put land fertiliser on plant trees just sown or on the Australian flax? Yes, well, yes uh, or no? Y- y- yes. You can. 
All right, yeah, so use stuff. something like 10 to 20 would be all right. In the okay, so what France. are you going at now for the rest of the weekend? Well, I'm going to put in some of my own advice into action. I'm actually nipping down now. I'm, I'm meeting up with the Castlebar Community Cleanup Group. Yeah. Um, we had the children that planted all the um, oh, yes, down the bulbs. The lake, so we're the lake, meeting yeah. them and we, we've got a kind of a special Easter treat for them. Um, so that's where I'm going first and then I'm getting back to my own garden. Okay, and we'll be back. Uh, oh, by the way, our gardening uh, uh, email address, we had a little bit of a problem with that. So we'll come to those questions next week. Thanks, Warwick, as always. Thanks a million, and we will see you next Saturday morning. Thanks a million to Teresa for helping us on the programme. And to you, the listeners, for sending all those lovely requests and dedications into us. We really, really appreciate them. 